Welcome to the Knock on Archery podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a Knock on podcast. I've got a legend. I think you're an archery shop <laughs> legend, Wayne, for sure. Um, and I've never been able to... Sh- yeah, I've never been able to shoot with you or run with you. So I guess I know that you you appear to be a super legend at that too, but I've got none other than Wayne Indicott from the Bow Rack. You know, I thought it'd be such a cool podcast to get one of the nation's leading archery and respected, you know, dealers and pro shop owners to do a cool podcast. So thanks for coming on, man. Oh, thanks for inviting me, John. I'm honored. Um <laughs> You know, I think it's been a few, I think it's been a few moons since uh, you stopped in and you had, you were just a kid and you were just hunting. I think you had a Toyota, you know, with a canopy on it stuffed to the hilt and you were, you were going somewhere hunting and you were kind of peddling your DVDs and, you know, we bought a bunch of them. It was great. Um, Oh my gosh. Was that double D? I can't remember. Yeah, I just did. I mean, nobody even looks at a DVD anymore, right? (laughs) I know. It's been a a minute, but I mean, we sold them all. I think I even reordered, but uh, it was was fun. That was a long time ago. Man, I, it's some of this, some of these stories depresses me about my cognitive (laughs) diminishing, man. Honestly, I think people like you and I, if we say we've forgot more archery than what a lot of people are talking about right now, I can, I think it's wholeheartedly, we mean it, or at least me, I, I like that was a, man, that was such a cool Well, I, I wouldn't say it was cool. It was like probably the scariest time of my archery life because I had just <laughs> came from like being at Matthews for 10 years and then went out on my own. I had two months severance pay. So I uh-huh. loaded my Tacoma with every piece of hunting gear I had and drove to every state where I could buy an over-the-counter tag. Oh, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't believe that you remember that dude. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, it, it's been, it's been a while, but, uh, I think I ran into Darren, you and Darren were kind of hooked up for a while, I think. And I think I I ran into him in Wyoming. I mean, he was, he was, uh, he was in a unit that, uh, that, that I absolutely loved and, and stuff. And we talked for a little bit too, about the same kind of stuff. So was he hunting goats or what were you guys hunting? No, no, no. He had an elk tag and I can't remember the gentleman he was with. And I, I had, I had packed a bowl out. And this particular unit had a travel management, uh, deal associated with it. You, if you, you could have meat retrieval, but you had to hike in. So we were in there like, you know, nine or 10 miles, you know, and, yeah. and uh, I, I'd, I'd, I'd hiked out, got the truck and got a key and was, you know, packing this bull out there. <laughs> Uh, Darren was like, they were stumbling out and I'm like, they'd been in there for a few, few days. And they, 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 I go, you guys need a ride. I go, absolutely. <laughs> Cause they had like a, you know, I don't know, six, seven mile hike to get out. So I, I gave him a ride out because I had, I had meat in the back and a pretty good bowl. So was he with an anyway. older gentleman or someone his no, age? No, no. He was with another young guy. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been Kurt. Yeah. I bet you Kurt. Um, yeah, Kurt was from, from that area. That's yeah. I just had Darren on a few days ago because, Oh, did you? Yeah. He he was just on the last podcast or, well, actually it'll be two podcasts ago, um, by the Uh time people listen to this, but yeah, we, I wanted to just like impromptu 
kind of pry Darren's brain a little bit about, you know, well, you know what I talked to him about was bow efficiency because he's, uh-huh. he was such an amazing bow engineer that I wanted right. to, to talk about bow efficiency so that he could then give his insight on how some of this extreme arrow talk is actually like taking away and, and in a way it's taking away from how freaking awesome today's bows are and and you know i just i just want people to be as good at archery as possible and i know you guys at the shop you guys spend so much time with setup and tuning you got so much invested in good archery techs and mm-hmm. you know you've got your range out there and it's like people shoot arrows shoot arrows please practice shoot arrows work on technique trust your archery shop and you're you know you can improve groups by technique in principle more so than just tinkering all the time with stuff that honestly i think I think some of that discussion is such overkill for the, most of North, you know, most of the U.S. that people are just getting mm-hmm. distracted with their time. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I there, there's there's a lot going on with you know with arrows today. You know, a lot more than you know what there was maybe <laughs> you know ten, twelve, fourteen years ago. You know, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of different opinions out there. But I mean, honestly, you know, it's simple math. I mean, you know, every for every archer, you have, you know, a given amount of draw length that he's going to be blessed with, you know, and that's just God given, you know, so 27 inch draw is way different than a 31 inch draw. So every one of those setups, you know, and then the guy has a given amount of, you know, strength. So, you know, with bows today, you know, 80 pounds, 75 pounds, 70 pounds, 60 pounds, you know, wherever you land, you know, uh, just so you're not overbowed, you know, you're given that. So draw length and, and, and poundage. And then there's a bell shaped curve for what I feel is the ideal arrow weight that gives you, you know, the ultimate, uh, you know, flat trajectory with a good hard hitting arrow, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, that, that, you know, that said, there's a lot out there, you know, that we struggle with because of course, you know, our job, like you say, is to make everybody the best they can be. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're, the best at tuning bows. I mean, regardless of what the bow is, I mean, we can always make it better. I mean, I have bows, though, you know, for the last four or five months, you know, we get anywhere from 15 to 35 to maybe even 50 bows in a day. You know, I got seven guys working, you know, um, not every day, but, you know, our best days, you know, we got seven of us here and, you know, the days that we don't, we just pedal as hard as we can, but we, we got to do a good job at all of it. And, you know, we get kind of delivered, you know, what I would say, you know, there's some cults out there and I'm not going to mention which way they go. (laughs) There's some arrow cults out there and, and, you know, we struggle because, you know, here we got a guy that, you know, spent all this money, you know, he could have owned pro comps for what he's invested in this mess. (laughs) And then he wants us to make it shoot, you know, not three inches tail left or tail right or tail high through paper. And, you know, I can grab, you know, an Axis 300 max grade and hand it to him and he shoots it and it shoots a perfect bullet hole. And I'm like, buddy, you're hurting me here. You know, you, we're, well, we're you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hurting me because, you know, <laughs> I am doing everything I can to try to, you know, satisfy shoot, this customer. I, you know, I'm trying to make his bow shoot straight. 
pretty and, much and then so, the other dude. thing is, is right? like when we were kids, we were kids, there was like four arrows to choose from, right? And we had these overdraws, you know, and we were all shooting 80, 85 pounds because you could get bows at 80, 85 pounds. They were all cable bows. Yeah. And we were trying to cut these arrows down because we didn't want a 700 grain arrow. You know, we wanted a we wanted to try to get around 400 grains so we could shoot, you know, 210 feet per second or something. And I, I had a terrible short draw length. I'm, I'm six one and I have a 27 and a half inch draw length. And I think what? back then, yeah. Oh yeah. No, Wayne, I, is I that drank even... too much mountain. Yeah. I'm drinking too much mountain dew as a kid, you know, stunned, <laughs> stunned my growth. So what? No, I, I got, can't I, believe but, that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and for years, there was a time I shot 28 and a half and, and, you know, as you age, I mean, I'm 62 as you age, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's an honest fact. I mean, you know, things, things just, just happen. And, you know, so now I'm shooting 27 and a half. I shot 28, probably all the years that I was competing and, 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 and shooting, you know, a lot of 3d and a little bit indoors and stuff. I was at 28 inches, but you know, now I just feel really comfortable at 20, 27 and a half. And, but, but anyway, that said, you know, I've, I've always struggled from, you know, on the shorter side of draw lengths, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we always, I have fought and fought and fought for trajectory, you know, just, you know, cause we, we never had a lack of arrow weight, you know, back in the day, yeah. you know, and when carbon arrows came out, you know, in, in, they were in the inception. I remember the first Larry Boten at Martin Archery, they kind of introduced, um, the very first look at what gold tip arrows were you know and before that we had some protruded carbons but they you know they weren't much i mean well the original beamons were out of france and right and the the diva c's and the diva s's were like a huge advancement for archery because our bows started to actually perform where you could have more than three pins on your site yeah yeah but but even though you know there was still a lot of popularity with aluminum during that time. I mean, that was a hard switch over because, you know, the Big components time. weren't great. You know, the knocks would break, you know, they just, they just weren't great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't, but, but, you know, when the gold tip thing came around and then Easton jumped in right on the end of that, you know, it, it was a different world. And then, you know, Easton, you know, being, you know, who they are, they came and just changed the whole carbon world completely you know, and, and really advanced the whole thing to a, just a totally different level. And, and so all of a sudden, you know, we've got these arrows and then, you know, we were trying to figure out, you know, what do we, you know, how, how do we balance with these? Because in the beginning they were very light and, you know, they were strong, but they were light. And, you know, so then, you know, we tried to figure, you know, you go back to the inertia thing and you, you figure it out, but, you know, regardless of where you're at, I mean, today there's just, like I say, there's just some, some stuff out there that, that just is really working against it. Cause no matter what you do with math, trajectory is accuracy. I mean, it's math. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You can't change it. Right. You know? And so if you rainbow thing, if you just suck all the you know feet per second out of your bow, because you think that you need to shoot this arrow that weighs 700 grains and you've got a 27 and a half or 28 or 28 and a half inch draw length, you're, you're just, you're doing a disservice to the animals because I mean, you have to be so pinpoint at a, you know, 30, 40, 50 yard shot, you know, on any given animal, elk, deer, bear, you know, antelope, it doesn't matter what you're hunting, you know, unless you've only got a 20 yard shot. I mean, you're, and then you're slowing things down to where the animal can move, 
you know, to where you could be shooting, you know, quite a bit quicker and still have a tremendous amount of kinetic energy. I mean, I had five kids, I raised five kids and, you know, they killed all kinds of stuff. I mean, my son and my daughters have all killed, you know, everything with a bow and my wife hunts every year. Sometimes, you know, some years she hunts more than I do. And she has a 25 and a half inch draw length and shoots 50 pounds. And, you know, she, I've got her just a hair under, you know, I've got an FMJ 500 and, you know, she kills all kinds of stuff. She shot an elk in New Mexico. It's, it's on my son's YouTube, Indicott Films. You can watch it. She shoots this elk at 50 yards and nearly passes through it with a Grim Reaper micro hybrid and, you know, that same FMJ arrow and barely 50 pounds, you know, and, and killed the tar out of it, went 100 and, 110 yards total. And so, you know, there's just a lot out there that is just kind of misinformation, you know, but like I say, every yeah. single draw length, every single poundage, there's what I feel is a bell shaped curve. You can be a little bit on the other, you know, you can be on a little bit on the heavy side. You can be a little bit on the light side and still be, you know, close to the peak of that bell shaped curve, but you know, trajectory versus, you know, arrow weight, you know, every one of them is, is there's just the perfect, I think. And, you know, for me personally, I mean, I shoot a, a 460 grain arrow. Uh, pro comp with, uh, you know, 340 with, uh, you know, uh, 95 grain stainless outsert and 100 grain tip. And it's just perfect for me, for my, my, my draw length and, and my, I'm shooting 70 pounds. Um, and that's just perfect for me, you know, but for everybody, it's different, you know, because of their draw length and their poundage are capable of, but, you know, you just kind of run up and down that spectrum and, you know, when you get way, way, we kind of know what the way left does in, in the world. <laughs> when you get way left on, you know, on, on arrow weight, you know, be it one way or the other, light or heavy, you, you can, you can really diminish it. I mean, used to be, we, we would fight the light arrow thing, you know, it's like, dude, you know, it's, it's, you need a golf ball, not a ping pong ball, you know, right. Yeah. It's something yeah. That carries maximum amount of inertia you know, downrange and carries it. And when it hits, it leaves a mark, you know, you don't want a ping pong ball. It just goes fast for 20 yards. And, you know, we had, and a you want a golf machine. ball, not a shot put. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. honestly, that's a perfect analogy. It, it, does, it goes the other way just as fast, but we had a techno hunt machine that actually had a conograph at the screen. Right. And so yeah, we would yeah, yeah. conograph, you know, bows out of the nose of their bow. And if you were too light, you know, we had both, we had a, we had a guy that just shot extremely light arrows and he would lose 18 feet per second in 20 yards. He's yeah. like, why is that? Well, it's inertia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a ping pong ball. It's going to slow down extremely fast. And he was just trying to shoot as light arrows as he could. I mean, his bow sounded like a shotgun, you know, going <laughs> off and we went through a lot of limbs with him and, and, and that kind of thing. But, but, you know, then there, the other spectrum, you know, it's just like, yeah, you don't, you don't want that shot put, you know, you want, you want, you want the bell shaped curve. You want the happy medium, you know, which is exactly where we try to, we try to recommend, you know, and guys like we get seven to 10 phone calls a day, you know, and on the mystery on the mystical flight of the arrow, which we love to talk about, you know, yeah. and even when we're busy, you know, like we'll take, you know, my wife, sometimes we're just so overloaded, you know, and, you know, we have, we can talk and work at the same time, you know, pinch the phone on the neck and keep tying in peeps or whatever. And, you know, I love to help guys. We take that phone call and then I even return all those phone calls, you know? And so, you know, we, you know, we just try to, and, you know, most of them though, the guys have already made the investment. They're struggling you know, with the, with the setup they've got, 
and you know they're just asking why you know why you know why can't i get this bow to group why can't i get this bow to shoot my broadheads are all over the place you know i i just you know my pins are so far apart it's like yeah, yeah. you might have bought you might have bought into something that wasn't good you know you just just never know but you know there's just a lot set out there and you know i have a hard time finding guys like you or cam or anybody that you know hunts a lot and kills a lot of stuff <laughs> um randy Olmer that, that exactly, is like dude. pushing this agenda right you know it's like okay if you look at you know the guys that have like the portfolio of giant success they're not doing this so why, yeah why it, but but you made the investment. I mean, gosh, like I say, you know, guys could own pro comps for what they've got invested in. Like I had, you know, it's like six arrows. <laughs> it's like you, it's a, you made that. You spent that for that, and, and this is where you're at, and this is why you're frustrated. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, anyway, th- you know, that's that's tiptoeing around it, you know, a little bit because you know I don't want to offend anybody. I mean. If, if guys, you know, somebody, you know, shoots something in the shoulder blade one year, you know, like an elk and oh, I didn't get any penetration and they're bitter and everything. Well, there you're rolling back to what you're talking about, about practice, right? You know, so spend some time behind that bow and arrow, you know, it's, you know, figure out, you know, bury your yardages, you know, figure out point of impact, you know, make, make sure that you know how to aim, you know, just, you know, watch everything there is on aiming, read everything there is on aiming. I mean, years ago, remember Vic Wonderly? Oh yeah, for sure. You used to read his stuff, didn't you? I, I loved him. I mean, every month, you know, Archery Magazine. Well, you're, out, no, like, you're, okay, what's, what's, no, you're, you're, what's Vic saying? What's Vic saying? You know, he's it's like, not don't Vic, aim. it's Terry. You mean Terry. No, Terry, Terry Wonderly. Yeah. yeah Terry. Terry, was, Terry was one of my coaches. Was he? Yeah. It was, yeah. Vic was his son, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Vic was his son. He was an Olympic medalist. Oh, his, son, his son. Yeah. His son was the Olympian and yeah. So it's Terry. Yeah. And so I used to read his stuff and I mean, how many times did he say, don't aim? You know, just center, yeah. and, you know, and so now, you know, I think, I think actually Pete Shepley came up with the whole center line design deal, you know, years and years ago, you know, and that was, you know, stabilizer hole, you know, center of handle center of everything, you know, and, and everybody does it now, you know, Matthews Hoyt, everybody does it. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why bow tuning is so important, you know, because I see these bow tuning guys and it's like, they're moving arrests all over. It's like, why do I want to point my bow to the left to hit something at, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards that I'm pointing my bow to the left and I'm not pointing my bow right at it. Because I mean, the technology today, I mean, you, you change the load on those limbs to make sure your, your center shot is perfect. Because when you draw that bow, and you instinctually point at it like you were shooting a you know a longbow or recurve. You, you want it to shoot down the line. You know you don't yep. want to move right or left. So, you know that center line design is so important. You know, and that's where you know you just just love the way you know bows are designed. You know, basically for about the last ten years, everybody's really you know made a good you know go of that type of engineering. So, you know that's fun too. You know, when you think back, so like the four name, like let's just say me, Cam, Ulmer, you. Right. Honestly, of of course we've been blessed. You know, every sacri- everything we've done in life is because we want to be able to hunt more. So, I mean, right. you know, as much as people are like, it'd be nice to hunt. Well, you know what? Sometimes it would have been nice to know you had a paycheck. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that, like, oh, but that's man, the sacrifices me. we made, right? But those four people, honestly, the 
the amount of intel from actual in the field hunting honestly kills is probably equivalent to like 10 or 20 lifetimes for the average person of hunting oh yeah and it's like so here here's what i would love um and actually um I've been, I've actually had some, some very, very good conversation with the ranch fairy. Um, he, re he really wants to talk. And what I, what I told him was, and what I would love, honestly, Wayne, we need to spearhead this. The, the big problem with that Ashby, uh, chart is that the majority of it is red the majority of it is showing the industry that they're insufficient for killing animals and that's absurd so hmm. what we but i mean have you seen it have you ever looked at you it? you know honestly honestly you know um i have never even and, and this sounds crazy but i i have never even i i wouldn't even know that guy i wouldn't know I didn't I, I've never listened to anything. I, I'm totally ignorant to all of it. And I have I, I, I'm just, I have a very, you know, light knowledge of what, you know, and, and to my understanding, I mean, a lot of it was traditional influence there, which, you know, if for sure, so this is the deal. I mean, I I'm pushing the agenda of making everybody better, just like you are. I mean, everybody 100%. that walks through my door, you know, we're just massively overrun and, you know, especially, you know, like the last, basically, probably since, well, the crash was in 09, we had a few slow years there, but basically since 2014, you know, and then before that, you know, back, you know, in the late 90s, you know, we started getting busy all the way up to 09, 09 was a few slow years, but, but it's a mass quantity of people that run through my door and a mass amount of people that send me their bows and you know guys from new york and florida i mean we've got all these customers from all over the country that send us their bows and you know like i tell everybody all we can do i, I need your peep height correct everything yeah, else yeah, we're yeah. going to do that's perfect. the biggest problem and we send them their the bow back problem, and, right? and yeah and we get we get some of these guys will send us three or four bows you know that they're hunting with you know and these, some of these guys are are giant big time hunters, you know, that there's world traveling guys. I mean, I've got a pile of them and it started, you know, with like the Neil Summers and, you know, Larry Jones and Larry was just in and got new strings on his, on his, uh, on his bow. He's got a helix he's shooting Hoyt helix. And it, it, but anyway, all, it all stemmed from, you know, just my location, you know, cam, you know, cams you know, giant influence, but, you know, so we kind of get some notoriety there, but everybody that walks through my door, I just want to make them better. And, you know, if it's, if it's way right or way left, so it's, I just focus on the truth, right? Because I don't really feel like if I study something that I already know is wrong, or I even listen to it, you know, it's like people that study counterfeit money, they don't study counterfeit money. They study the original. That mm -hmm. way they can recognize the counterfeit immediately. And so, you know, like if it's way out, way right or way left, and I know it's just physics and it's wrong, I don't even give it time. So yeah. I've never even, you know, I didn't even, in fact, somebody was at the show, um, and Corbin's archery, we were standing there yakking and, and he brought it up and he's like, Oh, he goes, that's him. I like, well, that's who? And he goes, rancher. He goes, who's that? And he goes, it's that guy right there. I'm like, Oh, I, I think I've heard of that. 
And I go, so what, what's the deal there? And he's like, oh, you don't know him? He's like, I was like, you're an idiot. You don't know him? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know him. I haven't I'm mentioned like, him just because to I, know him? But, yeah, but that, I don't, I didn't that's actually. That's the hard thing. So that's, that, to bring attention yeah, to that, it. It's like, does it make it worse? Right. But, no, and I, I, I don't know, you know, and so yeah. but I, I'm real familiar with all the guys that, you know, come in that have bought into, you know, all this and stuff. So I deal with it all the time. So it's kind of a thorn in the flesh because, you know, have a great bow, you know, everything's good and, you know, and stuff. And, you know, the guy's like, well, I just bought these arrows. Can we tune it with this? And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We're going to stack, you know, 300 grains on the front of a four mil and you know, it's, yeah, we're okay. You know, and sometimes we win it, you know, we, we get it to where it's good, but it's not the ideal, you know, where I'm winding up with the bows is not, ideal because i mean you know where their tune would be with a reasonable like what they're designed to shoot you know what the bow is actually designed to shoot i mean we're not hunting elephants and and cape buffalo tomorrow you know so and i've I've set up lots of those arrows too you know and you know i like you know i i like you know when that when we have to do that kind of thing you know and some guys trying to harvest that you know, animal, I've, I've got different prescriptions for that too. And it's not all the weight in the front, but you know, anyway, that's, that's what I've always found, you know, was, was efficient. And then, you know, my guys always come back and it's like, dude, I passed through all these and this is great. You know, I'm like, sweet. Yeah. You know, he, re- so he, actually, there too. he actually reached out to me as Troy, not, not the mm-hmm. alias, which I respected, but you know what I think we need to do. Um, and he, he also has said, Hey, you know, let's, let's talk. I, I agree. There's middle ground too, you know? Um, and, and what I think needs to happen, I just sent you that chart. Like if you look at that chart, you're you're probably not going to believe it. Um, but what I think we've got to do Wayne is I think the, there's enough of us in the industry that can build a chart similar to this based on people. So like, you're a perfect example. You're, you have a, you have a, a shorter draw length. You're an expert in that field. Like, you know, I don't, what is Cam, is Cam a 27, 27 and a half? 27 and a half. Yeah. Okay. And, and, so but, like, but you, you shoot 90 pounds. Yeah. 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 Throwing. Yeah. Okay. So, but, <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. The thing is that is data that is real. So you could be like, Hey, if you want to shoot 80 plus pounds, here is someone who has been more than sufficient at most North American game animals, right? Then you can go up to me, 31 inch draw, or I hunt at 30 and a half. Hey, here's historically the type of things I've used. Here's all the animals I've killed with this. It's not a problem. So like, I feel like we've got to develop this chart that isn't on the extreme side. And I was having this, you know, I was having this conversation with Joel Maxfield. And mm-hmm, Joel, mm-hmm. Joel said, such Joel's a, done some great stuff. Now I, I have seen listen, Joel, he's, he's done some great stuff on it. I'm hoping he comes here tomorrow. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. him to come here tomorrow. Um, because yeah, absolutely. And listen, we used to do this stuff all the time and especially Joel, Joel more than anybody. And he made, he made a comment that resonated so mm-hmm. much. And, and so here, here's the thing. So his wife, Janice, she's very small. Janice is, Janice right. has been hunting longer than me. Oh I my mean, gosh. You, know. you would never, you would never want to compare portfolios, right? With her. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most females, there's no way. Right. Right. Um, I know, I know. 
like your wife and Janice would be like, okay, well, there's your panel. Stop. Or, well, throw in Vicky. Throw in Vicky yeah. who shot beam and arrows, you know, Vicky Cicerillo. Right. Okay, there's right, three right. females right there that should just end the conversation. But Joel just said, mm -hmm. Joel just said, um, he's like, bro, if I told you next week that I killed an elk with my stick bow, he's like, you would be totally pumped and you would not even blink an eye at the fact that my stick bow has 25.7 foot pounds of energy. Janice's bow has 45 pounds of foot energy and she's shooting a light <laughs> fast arrow. And he's like, right. He's like, my personal bow is 93 foot pounds and Dudley, I bet you're over a hundred. And these are all with non extreme arrow weights. Right. So it's like, right. It, like right there it is. I mean, right. that, that is like so perfect. It's the perfect analogy to just like, I'm trying to give people common sense. That's why these videos mm -hmm. I'm doing, I'm not editing, I'm not cutting. I'm just shooting arrows down there and I'm like, Hey everybody, sure. Check out this group. Okay. Right. Now really right. look at this group. This mm -hmm. group has two different vein angles. Okay. This group has two different vein directions. You know, mm -hmm. the, a, a well yeah, you're doing a great, arrow. you're doing a great job at that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's great education, you know, and, and, and I, I, you know, I think I commented on there. I mean, that's just, you know, I, 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 I kind of keep track of you and you're doing an awesome job just, you know, revealing, you know, what guys, you know, my, my shoulders don't allow it anymore, you know, and so <laughs> my, getting close, I, my, dude. <laughs> yeah, my, my practice time is, you know, 30 to 40 arrows you know, and I, I, but there, but I shoot 30 to 40 perfect arrows, you know, I, yeah. I go out and, you know, there's just, there's perfect practice. And, 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 you know, there was a day when I shot, you know, an easy hour in the morning, hour in the evening, you know, or even more, you know, and some of the kids that work for me, you know, Trenton Stoops, one of my best guys, he's, he's a machine. He'll just go out and they'll shoot for hours, you know, well, I remember those days, but, you know, I'm, you know, every third day in the gym is shoulders just so I can pull a bow. I mean, there was, there was a time we didn't have draw boards. Remember those days? And we would have two cam bows and we were trying to time them. Well, you know, we had all these dummy releases we put on and you'd, I'd be pulling bows all day long. Well, I think it was back about probably about 15, 16 years ago. I, I wound up having a frozen shoulder and, uh, it took me like, six months in the gym with Nick, the trainer dude working over my shoulders to get where I could function again. It spooked me a little bit, but that's just age related stuff. But, you know, <clears throat> anymore, you know, guys really need to spend some time behind that bow and, and forget that, you know, all, all those rabbit holes that they're running down, you know, they just, because, mm -hmm. you know, you want a good well-tuned bow, you want a good, you know, want good, well-balanced arrows. You want good flat trajectory. You want a hard hitting arrow. You know, how many, how many years did, uh, did engineers, you know, that didn't play baseball or didn't play golf argue over what a golf ball or a baseball should weigh. So it was hit by human force to travel the maximum amount of distance with the most amount of accuracy that they could produce, you know, and they could manufacture it. Right. And then there became a standard. So it's just one game, right? So the archery game isn't that way because you have so many variances, but there is some similarities there, 
you know, so, you know, Joel's done some fantastic stuff. I remember years ago watching, I think I was flipping through, you know, Facebook and I'm like, oh man, I mean, he's got some good stuff here. I mean, I read through it, you know, it's like he was given different arrow weights and he was showing at different distances what the drops were and, and stuff. And I'm like, man, and then, you know, he kind of gave his commentary on it. And I mean, just a wealth of knowledge and, and talk about somebody that's right up there with, you know, the top hunters in the country. I mean, Joel. Yeah, I t- I've told people if, if I had to pick if I had to pick one person that would be a hunter in my camp, if mm-hmm. I had to literally survive in life, like if there mm-hmm. was just a Armageddon and right. <laughs> I had to pick one person, honestly, I would be like, listen, Joel's going to bring something dead to camp every day, whether yeah. it's with a, whether it's with a stick, a rock, an arrow, like that guy, right. that guy right. is it, you know, he well, look at his foundation. Into, I mean, you know, sure. starting an archery shop, you know, Matt, you know, went and got first him, employee you know, of Matthews. First employee, yeah, went and got him is like, you're you're my lean on guy. You're my you're my foundational. I'm 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 starting this and I'm building on you. You know, and it's 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 just great stories all the way through. But yeah, he's he's fantastic, you know. So yeah, and I'm I'm trying to get Joel here because Joel Joel has such a good knowledge base for the shorter draw peath bull because he's built he's built so many bows for Janice and oh, sure. now for Andy, right? And then he's a middle, he's mm-hmm. a middle of the ground archer, you know. And listen, Joel is a hundred percent through and through a target or a, a bow hunter that right participates in target archery and loves target archery and believes in target archery because he wants to be more proficient as a bow hunter and he wants to be accurate. Like that was the whole basis. And that was always, that was always me, you know, in fact, I would shoot hunting bows, you know, a lot, you know, and back in the great outdoor games, I had to get a variance because you could have (laughs) a, a camel bow and the bow I was shooting was not made in target colors. It was a Matthews Outback, and they, you know, it's been a minute since they made that bow. That was what back in oh. Wait, which one was it? Matthews Outback. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and they didn't yeah, make it did in we, target colors, we, oh. and so I'm like, well, I could spray paint it, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> did we make go, a red and a blue for you it? or something? Did we make a red or a no. blue one for you? Never no, happened. No. Who was your rep, Larry? Camel. Larry and Ed McPherson, probably. Larry Boten. Or no, Larry Boat. No, Larry Clint. Larry Clink. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, yeah. No, it was awesome. But no, I just shot. I just shot that. They, they, they did. They, they wrote in a variance for me and, and, and allowed me to shoot that camel bow. But that was me. I was just always, I, I was always, um, I was just, to, you know, wanted to be better at, at, uh, at bow hunting. That's why I did everything, you know, because that was ultimately the goal. And, you know, there was a time when I thought, you know, I was doing a lot of 3D shoots and I was shooting the Triple Crown. It was in the 90s and I was young, archery shop owner, had all these kids and I'm trying to feed them out of an archery shop. And I found out real quick that if I was gone every weekend, it didn't add up to a lot of good, you know, sales for archery. I needed to be here working my shop, not shooting. Nobody cared that I shot, you know, nobody cared that, that, you know, I, I could win a tournament. Nobody cared. You know, mm-hmm. everybody cared if I was here and I cared about what they were doing. And so that was a lesson I needed to learn. Now, when it came to hunting, I was still, I still wanted to hunt, you know, but I, 
I kind of went in and out of the whole tournament thing for that reason, because one, it took a lot of my time to practice. You know, you had to be really super dedicated, you know, you know, at least two hours a day, every day, regardless, you had to shoot, you know, I need, I, for me personally, I needed to shoot that much. And then there was other times like in the unknown yardage days in the IBO, you know, I needed to go out and I just needed to walk and practice, you know, yardages. And so you'd, you'd go on an hour long walk really slow and you just look at everything and judge it, you know, so you had to get that judging down, you know, for yardages. And so, you know, there was just a lot of time invested in it. <clears throat> and, and then, you know, so, but all that didn't add up to good archery sales at the shop and good customer service. And so, you know, I turned that completely around and, you know, made sure everybody else was good at that, you know, and that made a big difference, you know, so it, and I learned that at a young age because, you know, it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, we're starving to death here because I need to have attention to detail here at business, you know, and, and I'm not doing it. And so, you know, <laughs> there was years that my wife hunted more than I did because I mean, you know, we were busy, you know, I'm like, sweetie, you go, you know, cause she works with me every day. My wife is the big, big part of the shop. And, oh uh, Yeah. I would say more she, than big. She does big. all the social media. She does all her clothing line. She just, she just kills it all the time. She's just an absolute workaholic. And our wives are savages, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, so she, she reminds me if I'm not here any amount of time, like I had the 4th of July off. That was the last day I had off. Besides we're closed on Sundays. We were, we were open on Sundays for, oh my gosh, for 33 years. I was open seven days a week and we just switched that a year ago it's like we can't, I just can't do it anymore. So, but six days a week we're here, and uh, you know it's 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 fun. I mean, I would never, I would rather not do anything else but just uh, work on bows and arrows. Honestly, I'm not complaining. And then before, I think I think before the Fourth of July in April, we were in Maui, and of course it was vacation hunting. And I got one of killed one of my best access bucks I've ever killed. And uh, talk about devastation. Oh, my gosh. And that was just down on command right there. It shot him, you know, right right through the shoulder with a Grim Reaper Carnivore, and it just just smoked him. He just hit the ground. So it was pretty awesome. But anyway, that's that's the archery life, and I love it. You know, I love every bit of it. You know, it's, it's a, I'm passionate about it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's kind of like serving the Lord in a lot of ways because, you know, it's uh it, it it's customer services like he that is greatest among you let him be servant of all there's a lot of reward in helping people be efficient at at archery and bow hunting i mean it's just awesome and it gives you you know so kind of sheltered you know we, we were kind of talking about that before we got started you know kind of kind of shelters you from what's going on in the world you know we have our own little world here it, it's called archery and, and bow hunting and <laughs> it really and, is you know and, and and you just get to rejoice in everybody else. I mean, you get this, the, the McKee family is just a great tournament archery family and little, little Beretta McKee, uh, she, she took second. It's the first time I think she broke a record in Vegas this year. It's the first time in that youth open division, you know, they don't have, it's not male, female, it's just an open division. She actually took second in that. And I, and I think one of George Riles's kids took first. It's the first time a female's ever stood on that, on that podium. And she is just awesome. And her grandpa lives right here. He shot for us forever. And it's just so much fun to, you know, set up their, you know, I got to set up her, her last little bow and she just been smoking it. I think she sent national records at Daring 
Washington in field archery. So on a, you know, on a tournament side, it's just fun to see those kids, you know, from the time I, I remember when she was just a little tiny thing and I was running lines at, uh, at our state indoor, uh, Oregon Bowhunter state indoor in Bend and uh, Jeff, her dad was on the line with her and it was just precious to watch that little thing. She was like watching a little pro tournament archer and she's a little tiny thing, like five years old and she's shooting this little tiny bow and, it's just incredible to watch that, you know, and watch her progress to where she's standing and, you know, and national, nationally standing on, on podiums is just incredibly rewarding. Well, I mean, it's archery is, is it's so cool. And we have to thank Rogan, right? I mean, we have to thank Rogan for, for the biggest boom recently and bringing people in <laughs> from outside of the demographic. Right. Right. Um, right. Oh, but, that's, but once that's they're a crazy here, deal. yeah, once they're mm -hmm. here, it's like the amount of people that honestly respond the exact same way that a lot of these kids that experience NASP and archery in the school programs who, mm -hmm. who honestly weren't athletes, they weren't like, you know, they didn't do football. They, maybe their parents didn't let them do contact sports. Honestly, maybe, maybe people aren't leading a, a fitness lifestyle maybe they're not leaving leading a a very good good nutritional lifestyle but now all of a sudden they're just interested in this thing called archery and they come in and right. then you and i are two people among thousands of you know archery shops and club owners or whatever that get to see this string and projectile change their life right literally change right. their life and it is so rewarding to see it i mean and it's hard to like it's hard if you told me well what's more rewarding seeing seeing a kid that was bullied at school overweight avoids gym class uh calls in six doesn't go to class when he knows he's gonna have to go out and play flag football or you know whatever in gym class avoids all that but then but then they go into archery and next thing you know they're at the nas state championship or yeah okay that like that is like okay well that's the ultimate feel good right well then and i have this every single tack every tack i have a veteran come up to me that literally says they were within moments of ending their life, but decided just to try archery and they freaking didn't kill themselves. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, I know what it's, yeah, gosh, it's, what a sport, a, like what a place well, when to you're be. a concrete jungle and you grow up and everything. I mean, there's just certain little, you know, triggers that take you back to your roots. And I mean, regardless of, of what your lineage is or where you came from, I mean, archery's in your ancestry, right? I mean, I think Donnie Benson, you know, I, I love that who, you know, who we are, I think was the name of the video. And, and I watched that a few times and, you know, he, he made a great statement there. He's like, regardless of your ancestry, because the only reason you're here is because somebody in your, in your lineage, you know, was good at archery, whether they were warring or feeding their family or whatever, you know, so it's, it's, it's just a part of us, you know, and you see that with people, especially, you know, brand new people. I mean, you know, Cam's got the Keep Hammering podcast. It's pretty unique. You know, he's bringing all these people in and, you know, from every walk of life. And, you know, a lot of them have never shot a bow till they walk into my shop. Mm -hmm. And and then you just see the reactions, you know, that and they're adults. I mean, but it takes them back to their childhood, right? 
you know, and you just, you know, they just, I, I work with them a little bit, you know, and, and I don't kill these people with, you know, instruction, you know, I just try to get them shooting. I'm a progressive teacher anyway. We're going to change as we go. I'm just going to get you drawing the bow and we're going to be shooting some arrows and, and then we'll just, you know, I, I've read through some of the comments and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to sit these people down and it, it's, this is archery 101. Like we're just going to, we're, we're going to roll with this and we're going to change as we go. And, and, you know, I only have a few minutes with these people, you know, it, it, but you see when they shoot that arrow, just the joy, I mean, jumping up and down. I mean, they're screaming, yelling, you know, everything's going on. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's enlightening. I mean, like you say, it, 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 it kind of shines a light in somebody's life that they never knew was there because yeah. it's a part of them, part of their DNA. You know, there's just, it, it's just, it's cool in, in, in a lot of ways. And like you say, kids that I I've had kids, this is the craziest thing. Some of my best kids, like Kyle Creamer, this kid, I mean, at one time, um, in junior Olympics, I, he was, he was on a, he, he shot in the junior Olympic tournament. And I think he was ranked third or fourth in the nation, high functioning autistic, Oh but, wow! you know, and he, he couldn't, his dad, they were big into, you know, firearms and shooting and everything. He couldn't be around it because, you know, the, the sound of the yep, gun going yep. off just absolutely terrorized him. Yeah. Tr- but, triggered. You know, he brought him in one day and we shot bows. And I mean, this youngster, they you know, love I, it. Fished, I, I, he, it was unbelievable because everything I told him he would do. Oh yeah. Like, like he, a robot. He would follow instructions. He was. And his dad over a period of time, you know, in years and years of practice, he would drop him off and Kyle would come in here and shoot. And we would need to go tell him, look, Kyle, you need to take a break. And he would, <laughs> he would do everything perfectly efficiently. And, you know, but, but you had to tell him to take a break because I mean, if you forgot about him, he'd be out there for three hours just shooting. It's like, Kyle, 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 you're, you're good, man. He goes, Oh, 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 okay. Thank you. I'll, I'll sit down for a little bit and watch. But if you didn't stop him, I mean, he was just a machine and he was the most polite kid, the most sinless kid you've ever been around your life. The most loving kid. Um, they moved to Arizona and he went to work at McDonald's and it's been something like five or six years. He's never made the top employee of the month list. Mm-hmm. He's never not made it. He is the guy. And because Kyle is just unbelievable, but when it came to archery and, and it was sad too, because his dad got really sick right in the peak of, of this kid's young career. I think Kyle was 17 years old and his dad got sick and medical bills just skyrocketed and they didn't have the means to travel with him. And, and, you know, and, and then, you know, dad, you know, nearly didn't make it and, and they were a close family. And so it was just, you know, but but anyway, just, just being around that and experiencing that with Kyle and Kyle always, you know, when he, when they're in town, he always stops in and, oh my gosh, it's just great to see him and just to see what, what archery did. And he was interviewed by every single, you know, news agency and newspapers and articles and everything. And it was just, just incredible to see this young man progress. But we've been so blessed, you know, to have those kind of people, you know, that's why the archery shop's so awesome. I mean, I have thousands of stories like that over a 35 year period of so many people that their lives were changed with archery. It's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just goes on and on. I, I mean, I, I love that. And, and honestly, one of the things that's so important to me too, it's, it was very tough for me with, with knock on, if I'm honest, Wayne, um, 
mm-hmm. there's been some very hard decisions that I've had to make. Um, mm-hmm. One of the really tough decisions, and this goes back to like where we started, you know, me being in my truck, just driving around trying to sell DVDs and then eventually going on the network. I think, I, and I think honestly, you were more interested in hunting. Oh, for, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> the DVDs but, were great, but you were, your focus was hunting. But like, but like part great. of that though was Darren and I were starting to educate people on bow tuning set up we were talking uh-huh. you know we were talking gear which and so right. then i then i went on the network and you know in some ways like for cam the fitness mm-hmm. side of things everyone looked at him like he was some weirdo at the beginning you know people made right. fun of him for the rock you know and all oh, this yeah. stuff and i'm just like dudes th- like this is an important aspect because i've always been i don't i don't like working out on camera i don't like cut my sleeves off but fitness is like every day of my life i'm an athlete i want to say i'm an athlete right. so right. for me i was trying to educate people on technique and form and the networks were just telling me they were like sending me descriptions on what b-roll was they're like you know can mm-hmm. you film more nature can you film other animals can you you know if there's any like good water and i said i go hey do you guys know b-roll means like not a footage it's b footage so if i have a footage meaning no like quality footage of me educating i don't need b-roll which means filler like i don't want filler i'm buying these 22 minutes i want it to be about education and i felt like i was swimming against the stream so Mm -hmm. knock on develops and honestly when i left the networks so that I could have the ability to literally put out our own stuff digitally. What happened was I got the ear of the end consumer and it was never, it was never my intention to exclude an archery shop. What I was trying to do is educate people because unfortunately the reality is there are some archery shops that don't invest in good employees like you do. Don't invest in training. they, you know, they don't have incentives for these employees to like go to educational things or schools or, uh, you know, like dealer schools, all this stuff that, you know, that we did, whether it was at Hoyt or whether it's at PSC. I mean, Pete was doing it right. Like I went to the mm-hmm. PSC school. I went to the Easton mm-hmm. school 20, 30 years ago. I'm sure you have too. You went to the Matthew school. I know that you went to the, to the Hoyt school. You know, I know that. So it's like, I was trying to give people information to where if they had to drive, like think of these guys that are sending you a bow from New York, dude. Okay. There's Mm -hmm. people like that. So I'm trying to educate that. And then then at some point, archery shops felt like I was swimming against the current and trying to like take money away from them. And, and honestly, what we, what happened with our business just naturally was Sharon kind of doing what your wife was doing was saying, Hey, I have email after email after email saying their shop doesn't offer this. They don't like that brand. They don't believe in your coaching methodology. So she's like, can we, can we please offer this stuff to people? So I was like, Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to do it, then do it. I want to be, I just want to spill my heart 
to give back to archery. Like I, we were in a, we were in a financial place after, you know, my years in the industry where I'm just like, I want to try to give back. And I think if we give back, people will return the favor. So sure. you know, that whole direct to consumer model started not because I'm trying to exclude archery shops, because believe me, my nucleus, my ethos was dealers. I like, that's how I got my start. You know, I had a shop right. and then Matt hired me. I went, I went to Matthews in the early conception and started working with guys. I didn't work with you. You were with, I think Ed McPherson originally, Ed and Brad, probably you, Ed McPherson, Brad tree were your original reps. I would think, well, your original rep could have been Ron Gann even. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. goes way back, Brand, right? Brandon, Brandon Gann, Brandon Gann, um, was, was a rep for a while. Larry Clintz was oh, yeah. just awesome. Yeah. Larry was a long time guy, you know, with us and, and Ryan Winchell and, and Ryan I don't know Martin, the new they're, people they're, at all, but yeah, but it's I mean, like, Matt's always just surrounded himself with good people. I mean, they're, they're, they're awesome, but yeah, you know, Matthews. But no, John, education, you're just focused on the right things. I mean, if you focus on the truth, you know, you're going to help everybody. You know, I never really ever look at anything like that. I mean, I don't know if shop owners were saying that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe they shouldn't have been focused on any of that. I never focused on any of that. I, I just, I just, you know, we just stock good products. I mean, we're, we, we, what we promote, what we believe in you know, we're not the race to the bottom, we're the race to the top, you know? So, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's like they come in and, you know, some, some new people are kind of shocked because, you know, my, my beginner bows are, you know, pretty high end really, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I don't, yeah, I won't dive to the bottom, you know, I'm like, dude, you can, you can go places and, you know, other places and, and maybe find that stuff, you know, way cheaper. I'll tell them that. And if you want to just get started, maybe that's where you should go. Or I'll send you this Genesis bow or I have some, you know, I have some, you know, killer takedown recurves over here. We can do that. That'll get you inexpensive, you know, good archery. But I mean, if we're going to jump into the compound world, I'm the race to the top. I'm pro shop. I mean, it's not my job to, you know, it's my job to upgrade you and make you better when you want to get there. That's my job. And, and anybody else that's pushing that kind of education should be looked up to because that's, what's important. I mean, you know, if you want to advance in archery, we're there. And I mean, you know, there's, like you said, you mentioned Joe Rogan, you know, it was awesome. I mean, I have a ton of people, it's a whole different crowd. You know, they come in, it's like, man, I want to eat elk. I want to start hunting. You know, I saw Joe's podcast. He's always eating elk. He's talking about health and how great it is. And it looks good. And I, I just want to, I want to kill an elk. And, you know, I've been watching, listening to all his podcasts, you know, and everything. And it's like, this is great promotion. I mean, you know, whatever sparks it, you know, I'm here to help them. You know, that's my job. I mean, when they show up, I make them as good. And we don't, you know, there's no just shoving a bow across the counter. I mean, guys will ask me, you know, how much time do I need if I just walk into your shop? I go, well, you know, one, I'm going to give you, you know, like three to five different bows to shoot depending on your draw length and, and, you know, what your capabilities are. If you're going to like them all, you'll like one better than another. When we focus on that, we're going to get that bow picked out. Um, and we're going to work with you. If you're brand new, we're going to work with you on shooting all those bows. We're going to fit them to you. You know, we're going to make you comfortable. Comfort equals accuracy, you know, and everything. And so I've got, I've got three to five guys doing that every single day, all day long, you know, for, you know, 10, 11 hours, you know, a day. And, and we're, and we love it. You know, we love every minute of it and we're going to walk them through that. So I need, we're going to need you for 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half, depending Amen. on, you know, 
Gosh, you know, what how big awesome you are. And, service. And and then once you know, once we get there, we're gonna pick a bow out and we build, you know, all our high end bows are not in kits. I mean, you know, we you know, and we're big, you know, we're big limb driven believers, you know, because I just don't see any failure. It's like the arterial artery coming out of the bow. And I know, you know, QAD is a great rest, but you know, in the West, I mean we've just really bought into Hamsky and, and spot hog are two identical companies. They really over-engineer everything. And so we never have any failure. So yeah, my yeah. job is to find things that don't come back in my door. And I can proudly say like in six years of selling pretty much liquid Hamsky, we never had a failure besides if a guy runs over his bow, <laughs> he might break the rest or bend it, which has happened like five times that I could think of pretty you know, pretty, pretty memorable type stuff that guys have brought in. Like I ran this over, my quad rolled over, my side by side rolled over or whatever, you know, so those kind of things, but you don't avoid that. But other than that, we never have any failure. So we've got this prescription and we're picky. I mean, I don't sell every site. I don't sell every rest. I don't, you know, I like, uh, you know, things like your quiver. I mean, your quiver is awesome. It's quiet. You know, it's just one quiver of the of year. It's just one quiver yeah, of the it, year in that's outdoor awesome. life. And dude. there's, Right. It's, it's adjustable. It's, it's great. It's totally quiet. We haven't had any issues at all, you know, none. And so, you know, just good product. I mean, we like to, we like to sell the best. We're the race to the top and we should be, we're a pro shop. I mean, it, you shouldn't come in and just go, Oh yeah, we got this great little bow over here for 300 bucks. You know, it's, that's not us. That's not us. Or we're not going to go hunting elk or, or deer or antelope or any of those with, uh, you know, from our shop with $300 bow. I mean, it's going to, it's, you know, good equipment is going to cost, you know, what the going rate is today, you know, for the equipment and you're going to get our service with it. I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get a good education. And I mean, nobody walks out of here. I mean, you know, yesterday, one of my guys worked on an, an older bow and just to get some creeks out of it took a little while. He, that, that fellow was here at opening of our shop and he didn't leave until three thirty. And, you know, finally we, you know, we, we went through this whole entire bow and we finally figured out, you know, what was making the noise. And it was something we'd never experienced before, but one of my guys was dedicated to this guy for that long a period of time. And it was bare shaft tuned and, uh, and shot perfect when the guy left, you know, and, you know, this is a customer that's been in, you know, many times over the years, you know, kind of like once a year type tune up. And, uh, you know, when you got a noise in a bow, you got to figure it out. And I mean, you know, it, it, this time of year, we're, we're three weeks out of season. You don't, you don't like give up and send it to the manufacturer, you figure it out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's always our job. So, I mean, you know, if somebody's brand new and they come in, I mean, we're not going to let them go out the door without being confident with that equipment, you know, and, and confident that they know that, you know, and we pin them in, even when somebody comes in for a set of strings, I mean, you know, we set the timing, we got the ATA correct, we're going to shoot through paper, we're going to get them a perfect hole, we're going to fit them, comfort equals accuracy, we're going to make sure everything's perfect on peep height and everything, and then we make sure their top pin is zeroed. So they're zeroed on their top pin, so they're ready to practice, they're ready to do, you know, they're ready to go out and, and hit the range and get all their yardages in. And if they do need it, you know, we've got a 40 yard range. If they do need a sight into 40, we can get them pinned into 40, you know, and, and they're ready to go. I mean, you know, we, we feel really good about sending them out the door and we're not fast. I mean, typically I've got 15 to 20 to 25 guys standing in my store, you know, for about three months, four months out of the year, but they're patient and they wait for us and we work hard. You know, my guys, I, I, I feel bad because we, we'll eat at three, 
you know, we'll eat lunch at three. Sometimes my wife will order, you know, and we're trying lunch? to get caught up by three, three thirty, or we just don't eat. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of say, days we look at each lunch? other like, dude, we didn't eat today. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to go run tonight. I need something fuel in my tank. I'm going to eat something like, and head to the mountain, you know, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, every day is an adventure. Every day we love what comes through our door every day we're you know, it's a reward to, to, to do business. And I don't know how other people do guys come in and they tell me all kinds of stuff. I go, I don't care. I don't really care. I mean, we do business one way and we've done business that way forever. And it's just, we have fun at it and it's good. It's rewarding. It's like every day you can go to work and, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, pretty organized at times and we're pretty unorganized just because we're ran over. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, we can, yeah. we can look at the ceiling and there's, you know, I've got 120 bows hanging up and we're like, we're searching for a bow, you know, it's like, okay, all the, all the Hoyts are supposed to be here. You know, all the Matthews are supposed to be here. All the Botex are supposed to be here. You know, it's like, okay. So uh, you're looking right at it. Oh, there it is. There it is. You know, we, we got it. We just get too many bows. <laughs> okay. Now where are we at? Well, we're doing strings on this. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's fun. And we, we have a lot of guys that travel. So, you know, a lot of times we, we do, we do somewhere between a dozen and 18 sets of strings a day this time of year for like the last three months. We've oh, done yeah. that many. Because if we take those bows in and we have somebody come back, we just get too piled up. Just can't do it. You know? So, you know, every day, you know, we've got, we've got about three guys, two to three guys doing strings you know, um, all day long, you know, and so, you know, and it takes a while. I mean, you know, not all bows are really fast. I mean, especially Matthews, you know, you get five strings on that baby. You gotta, you know, there's, there's a, there's a <laughs> breakdown list here, you know, you gotta break that bow down and, and, you know, clean the cams and little light oil on the, you know, on the, on, on, on the bearings and, you know, reassembly and timing and, you know, getting all the timing set correct and you know um pses are are a breakdown type bow too because you got you know that wrap around the cam you know on that split harness it's 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 we've we've got methods for doing it but it still takes time you know and and, what is your method do it i honestly um that's one of the things that i that i miss i was um Hook up and spin and then, and then throw your yokes in after you've, you know, you, you know, right before you let up, you, you throw your yokes in and do your cross. So that's, you pull, that's, you pull that's, it that's, out, that's throw them in, run it through and then align everything once before you, before you back the press out. Yeah. You, well, you, 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 you throw those, you put those split harnesses on and then you go back, you wrap the cam around on both ends and then hook them up. And then, you know, throw your main string on and then put a little tension on it. Then do your crisscross on your, on your yoke. That's the fastest way I've found to do it. And if you're tuning, you know, the best thing to do with, you know, with PSEs when you're tuning, if you're, if you're swapping thicks and thins, you know, you set your center shot, you're swapping thicks and thins, tops and bottoms. You, you just, you simply, you know, take the bus cables off, put them over the end of your, your, your cable rod, let the bow up, put it on your table and disassemble it there and count your thicks and thins and go in the direction of your tear, <clears throat> put it back together, you know, and, 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 and then that way you don't lose your wheel timing either, you know, so you right. know, if you hook your bus cables over, they're not unspinning, you know, and hook them over your cable rod and then, you know, hook everything back up and run back out and check your paper, see where you're at. And, and they react, you know, all, all these bows, you know, people don't understand, you know, I've seen a lot of, 
you know, guys will come in like, well, I moved my rest because I watched this video. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, you know, if you don't have a bow press, just don't do that. Because, I mean, why would you want to point your bow way to the left to hit something that, you know, your sights are telling you to shoot to the right? I mean, this is just wrong. I mean, center line design, you want to shoot instinctively. You can draw that bow. When you set your feet, you, and you know this because of so many years of tournament archery, you set your feet, you point that hand instinctually at the target. When you draw, that pin should be set on the target mm-hmm. instinctually. And yeah. that's a properly tuned bow because you're running off a center line. I mean, I don't know how many videos guys have shown me. And I don't try to watch any of them. <laughs> again, I just study what's the truth. And But I've seen these guys like, oh, that's embarrassing. It's like, dude, don't do that. Don't move the bow rest out of center. There's no reason for it. You just need a bow press or you need some knowledge or you need to go to a shop that knows how to tune a bow and they're going to move top hats or they're going to move, you know, your thicks and thins or they're, you know, now PSC's got, you know, a different method for that, which is, you know, those, those different sizes, you can make the bow perfect. So why not make it perfect and stay in the center shot? Don't move the rest. And, and I get it if a guy doesn't have the ability to do that, but still the bow's not right. I mean, you know, it's not right. I mean, I hate that kind of stuff. You know, I want the most efficiency out of this great equipment that we have today. And I want it to be shot the way it's designed to be shot. So you can have the advantage as the archer. I mean, that's the commitment. I mean, so, you know, there was old, old bows out there that, you know, there was no way to tune them. Right. I mean, they, it was before the days of the knowledge of, you know, look, we got to change the deflection and the tip of the cam a little bit to make that string shoot down center. Right. And so I remember not a bow I sold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember guys that would bolt sights on the inside of their bow. Cause they wanted to just shoot a bullet hole and they had to move it so far to the left <laughs> to get it to do that. So they would bolt their sight on the inside of the bow. actually a real thing. And, and I'm like, well, why don't we just jump into this bow over here and not do that. You know, I'm not giving you the hard sales pitch, but you know, I like this bow. Okay. I get it. Well, well, let's, let's make it shoot a good hole through paper. It's going to be here, (laughs) you know? So anyway, those days are way behind us though. You know, the, the bows that are all built today are not, we're not dealing with any of that, you know? So it's a, it's a good time to buy a bow. It's a great time to be in the industry. So well, you know what's so a little bit ago you were talking about how you don't like put people into like the the low end bow, you kind of move them to the top. And I want to stress to people out there, um, so this actually ties directly into what you talked about at the beginning. This is this is another like passionate subject of mine. So the thing is with archery right now, the education and the archery shop knowledge is so good that the learning curve is is a fraction of what it was i know when when i started shooting is certainly when you started shooting wayne but mm-hmm. because that learning curve is short what happens is you will progress out of a low-end bow very fastly it's not like you know back two decades ago where you know someone might have a PSE nova for years because right. honestly, if, 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 you, if someone bought, um, if, if someone bought like, that's why I loved personally, I loved the embark because I'm like, I shot that bow. I shot it at tax. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, this great, is, great bow. This is a great, it's not bow really a, not a low end bow and it, by any means, very good bow, but it, but it was at a perfect price to where, listen, if you're not going to spend $500 on a dozen arrows, you can 
instead of buying a $500 bow, now you can buy a 799 bow and, and some axes match great. Well, you know, probably start with just axis and you're going to be more than adequate to begin with. And once you've forgot to set your site and miss the target a few times and, and done the mistakes a beginner is going to do, well, now you come back in the shop and you say, Hey, I want the match grade arrows because now you're getting a ballistic match grade arrow, but it's technically going to have the same weight characteristics as the arrow that you've already sighted in with. You're already used to knocking all that stuff, but you're so much better off taking that little step up in your bow out of the gate, go and, and not focus so much of that time and energy on honestly, a lot of this stuff that I think people are just getting distracted with and now you've got the ability to to have a, a great mid-level bow that's actually high level accuracy. It just it might have some mid-level, you know, parts. The limb pocket might have to be epoxy rather than a machined aluminum one or or mm-hmm. or something. You know, maybe the string, maybe it's a, a lower quality string material. However, after you've shot that thing for a year, that's a great time to get your string redone. You know, so now right. you can now you can say, hey, Wayne, I want. I, you know, don't replace it with a factory, you know, with this factory string that's, you know, not made of, um, 452X, you know, and, you know, right. and, and now you can like do these little upgrades. Let's say that you couldn't afford a spot hog site movable. So you just got like five pins, learn the basics. Well, now you can come in and be like, okay, I want to get a movable site. I got these match grade arrows. Now, Wayne, show me how to, you know, now I've got the ability to be able to go out and shoot a hundred yards if I want to. So the learning curve's smaller, the quality mm-hmm. of equipment is greater, the education, um, of how to work on bows and everything is also so much better. It's just a perfect time to be a student of the game. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of guys, you know, that'll bring in like a guy brought in a bow yesterday and I, I totally helped him. And he's like, it, you know, he's like, this is just straight from Amazon. And, you know, I'm not going to say what it was, but I mean, it's just, it's just very, very low end bow. And I, you know, I give that guy all the same attention. It's not like we're snobs and we're just selling high end equipment. I mean, I want to make everybody better, you know, because if he has a good experience in archery, that's my job. You know, I want to make sure that what he bought, you know, he's going to pay me some money to, you know, to do it all because my time's worth money. But, you know, at the same time, I'm going to make him as good as he can be with that bow. And, you know, I, I set the timing on it. You know, we, I, I, I take, you know, the rubber tubing off it. I put a regular peep in it. I put a good hard loop in it. You know, I work with him, you know, everything, you know, so we have, we have those guys that come in with that. And yesterday was a classic example. I mean, you know, it was great, you know, might be, might be a, a bow that a youth could use, but, you know, he got a good deal on it. You know, I made it fit him, you know, I, I, I set everything, walk him through the same whole process. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what, like if somebody walks into my doors, you know, we're just like, Oh, this isn't going to work. You know, I don't want anybody to get that impression. We, you know, that Amazon bow is going to get the same amount of attention that we can give it, you know, and, and give the individual that, that, you know, but, but for us personally, you know, if you come in and you're going to buy a bow, I mean, we're going to sell you a good bow and, and it's not going to have plastic rests. It's not going to have plastic sight. You know, it's, it's not going to have something that's not a stabilizer and, you know, we've got, we've got good equipment. And, you know, yeah. and that's what it should be, you know, but somebody that wanders in that just took that bow out of the box and, you know, I'm putting it together for him, you know, heck, I 
I even, you know, we, we dress every thread that we put in every single bow and all the components, we dress all the threads with string wax. And we do the same thing with all those plastic parts. We do the same thing. I mean, it's the same process that we would do with, you know, a bow we're setting up that the guy's spending 2900 or, you know, $3,500 for. I mean, we're doing the same process and we're going to walk him through the same process. You yeah. know, so everybody gets the same treatment. You know, it doesn't, That's we're, awesome. there, we're no, we're no respecter of equipment or persons. It's all the same. And so, you know, it's, you know, our race to the top is what we sell. If somebody comes in, you know, we've got, you know, we, we've got what we work with and, you know, the antique roadshow, we see it this time of year and the same thing. I'm like, I always get those personally because I've been around for 35 years and some of my guys will look at me and all the traditional bows, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm setting up all, you know, the traditional bows and, and making recommendations on all the arrow weights and what they should be doing. And we're going to look at what your draw length is and, you know, how much tip weight we're running and, you know, access trad, you know, we're, you know, running 75 grains or 50 grains, you know, I get all those. And then the antique roadshow, I mean, I, I'm, I'm that guy. I mean, I still, I don't recable bows anymore. I quit that. The last one I did was about six years ago and the guy brought it in. His dad had passed away. The cable broke on him when he was practicing with it. He wanted to kill an elk with his dad's bow. I get it. And I did it. And I've still somewhere in the attic got a bunch of cables and an old cable are all tucked away. But I, 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 I won't do it anymore because I just honestly feel the old cable bows are dangerous. I mean, I got hurt in the day. You know, yeah, because teardrop those to the splices, face isn't, isn't oh, cool. to the back of the head or the <laughs> neck or, oh my gosh. And, you know, <sighs> I was really stupid when I first bought the shop, you know, guys had come in and they're like, this bow's pulling rough and I'd pull it back and the cables would blow up or something. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Okay. That was the dumbest thing I could have ever did, you know, and, or, or splices. I always like this because when they made those cables, they would splice them. Well, they would cover it with the same covering. You would never know it till you drew it the first time. Well, guess who got to draw it the first time? When we recabled bows, we got to be the one that drew it the first time and it would come apart. And I didn't have it a ton, but I, I remember three separate occasions that I had that happen where there was a splice and, and of course there was no way to know it. They didn't know it when they were manufacturing me. It was just a fact it was going to happen. And oh my gosh, when those splices would come apart and back in the day, those bows were 80 pounds. I mean, I couldn't even sell a 70 pound bow back in the day. I mean, everybody, whether they could pull it or not, they had to have an 80 pound bow. And uh, some of the <laughs> well, Oregon bows still that way. It feels pounds. that way now, man. I feel like that's, <laughs> well, that's still, there's still kind of that stuff around right now. Yeah. You know, and, and I think there's more education out there. You know, um, I, I get a lot of guys, I just like, look, you know, I don't want you to be overboat. I want you to be comfortable, you know, you know, wherever you're at strength wise, you need, you need to be there. You know, you need to be able to, you know, put that bow out and efficiently draw it, come into a comfortable anchor and, you know, accuracy, you know, comfort equals accuracy is always our, our motto. And, you know, so we got to make everybody comfortable with every part of that bow, including the draw and the elk and the deer and the antelope, they don't care what you're shooting for poundage. They don't honestly care. You know, they care that, 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 and, and, and you should care that shot placements, everything. And so whatever it takes to get there for shot placement, you know, I've had, I've had every person that was strength challenged that, bought into that, that got it, that went on a good hunt, that was totally successful, you know, and, you know, just very low poundage, but good shot placement and, and a correct broadhead. I mean, when you get down on poundage, there are correct broadheads. I mean, you probably need to go to a traditional style single blade broadhead, you know, they're going to penetrate way better, 
you know, at low poundage, you know, and so, you know, there, and there is, you know, different broadheads designed, you know, differently, you know, you're not going to shoot this big, you know, mechanical three blade, you know, that takes horsepower to run. I mean, you need to be over 55 pounds. I think I've, I think I watched something, you said something about that, which is good. I mean, that's excellent education. I mean, you know, you need to, need to make sure that the equipment you're shooting is, is, is proper and efficient for what, you know, for what you're hunting. But, but yeah, no, that's, everybody, everybody that comes in gets the same, same treatment through our shop. I mean, we were going to work with whatever it is, you know, and, and, you know, some of the older equipment's great. I mean, some of it is like, you know, we really just, we'll make, well, we look at, we look at what was, you know, the cream of the crop when, when like, well, back early two thousands, the cream of the crop for, you know, the entire like Matthews line is, is almost identical to what, um, you know, some of, some of the mid-level bows, like if you look, if you look at an embark, what mm-hmm. that embark mm-hmm. is doing, it's, it's above and beyond a flagship bow from any bow company in the early two thousands easily, or oh, even yeah. 2010, yeah. like without a problem. So how, how is, what do you think of, um, some of the changes that's happened at PSE since, uh, since I've changed over, have you guys, have you been happy with it? But I guess more importantly, have some of the loyal PSE followers been happy with it too, with the the equipment that's came out in the last few years and et cetera. Yeah. yeah, the equipment, the equipment's great. I mean, you know, bow, different bows have different challenges for tuning, you know, and it, it, it does, you know, they're, you know, as a shop, it's just our job, you know, to tune every bow. And I mean, you know, we, we have our, you know, we have bows that are favorites because we're just able to get through the process quicker. And, yeah. you know, PSE just recently has taken steps to make that a lot easier because, you know, we got efficient at, at any of them you know, but, you know, some of them just take more steps than others, you know, and, uh, if you're, if you're dealing, you know, we got a reputation, like, look, you know, nobody's been able to tune this bow. We get these phone calls. Nobody's been able to tune this bow. I get a, I get a hard right tear, you know, or I get a hard left tear and nobody can deal with it. And we heard you could. And so I'm coming down, I'm driving, you know, four and a half hours or five hours or seven hours to get to you, you know, are you going to be able to help me? And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and so come down and, you know, and, and it takes us a little time. We get it right. And, uh, and, and life's good. And that customer's happy. And, you know, because it does take time. I mean, yeah. you know, bow tuning takes time. And I mean, as long as people are always patient with the pro shop, if you've got a pro shop that's jumping in and, and, you know, I, I always, this always gets me, well, they shot it and said it was good. Um, okay. Unless they're going to go with you, unless you're going to carry your bow and then shoot your animal for you and everything. And them doesn't mean you. You know, we need you, you know, ideally, if we're having issues, I want you, you know, there's guys that'll ship us, like I said, ship us their bow and, and, and we copy everything and we make it good for us. And, 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 you know, with proper form, they're going to be good too. But, you know, we always like to tune the customer as well, because I get guys in like, oh, that's way too short for you, or that's way too long for you you know, and so fitting, you know, there again, comfort equals accuracy. Our job is to fit. And so we tune the customer up as well as the bow, but, you know, as far as equipment goes and, you know, PSE, they, they've got great equipment. I mean, you know, it, PSEs are just great. And once they hold a tune real well, I mean, there's bows that, you know, need a little bit more attention on tunes than others, you know, because of maybe string stretch issues or, you know, other things that would just change over a period of a lot of shooting. 
And, uh, you know, once you tune, you know, PSCs, they hold their tune really, really well. I mean, it's basically a bow that, you know, you're going to practice with for, you're going to get it tuned, practice with for six months and, and go hunting and it's going to be great. You know, it's going to shoot, you know, fixed blade broadheads, mechanicals, whatever you're doing, it's going to group at distance and it's going to shoot great. You know, if there's any string stretch issue that, you know, they're not, PSCs aren't hard on strings, you know, they're, they're easy on strings as far as their upper end bows. I don't sell their, their lower end bows, you know, I, I don't. They don't, um, but, uh, they're high end bows, you know, and, you know, we love the Mach 10. It's great bow, super, super bow, you know, right. um, you know, the Embark's a good bow, great bow, you know, um, very, very inefficient shooting bow, um, fast, accurate, smooth, quiet, you know, does everything right, you know, easy to tune, you know, just gotta, just gotta move some thicks and thins, set the center shot and move some thicks and thins on, well, on, 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 the... on those axle spacers. It's <laughs> easy to do. On the on the on the levitates and honestly any of the knock on models that cam mm-hmm. shift shimming should be done for you out of the out of the box. I don't know if you notice a difference, but like I'm I'm pretty picky about like pre tune and like what the quality control line should be. Oh, sometimes so you, I th- you do you, the bows that you get in that you you sell because I mean they're not. I don't um, sell bows. No, I'm, I'm going to saying- argue that because. It, the, the ones that we get from PSC are not, I mean, we set what? the center shot and, in, 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 no, we, 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 and, and so the system now is super simple to change. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, for you know, sure. but, but no, no, they've never, I mean, we, with any bow, we don't, we, we rarely have perfect, now you know, and that, that uh, doesn't matter whether it's Hoyt Matthews or PSC. I mean, it, it, it makes no difference, you know? Um, they're, they set for a certain, they probably are looking at, at, trying to make the wheel lean perfect but honestly at relaxation if a guy slaps an arrow or some kind of straight edge along and it's doing whatever on the like if you take a rope and you lay a rope out you can whip that rope to the right or you can whip it to the left and it's going to roll all the way down in that same pitch so when that cam rolls over i don't i could care less what it is at relaxation i mean that's and i've seen that you know in assembly in, you know, several different manufacturing, I watch what they do. And, and, and that looks great when it's on the shelf, it's straight, but that may not be where you're at. You know, you may have to shift top hats to make it when that cam rolls over, it's casting that string straight because when it's under load, everything changes, you know, when it's under load of an arrow. Because one of the things that like I'm, I was very passionate about is my presets on cam positions, at least when I signed off and approved like the levitate, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. preset was different than what PSC argued that it should be at. Like I, I, my personal placement and how they were supposed to be leaving the factory was shifted to the right for, for a right-handed bow. They were actually shifted right more than what their standard mm-hmm. shift is. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, like you said, every time it was out of the box, I always had to move it that way because it was too far left. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they, they were supposed to be more centered. The one thing, another thing that I really like about PSE is I think they have out of all the companies, I think they have one of the best factory strings, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. center servings, I think are they, always they are, better. They are, they are a good, 
we don't we don't fight them much, and we don't see much string stretch. Everybody everybody anymore has a good a, a pretty good factory string. I mean, guys, there was days that we would switch over strings immediately. A guy would come in and buy a bow back in early two thousand, and we would just switch the strings immediately on everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. not really the case anymore, you know. And I, I tell everybody, they go, "Well, how's how, how's the string?" And I go, "Well, it's worth wearing out." Oh, you nice. Know? And yeah. then we'll sell you, we'll sell you really good strings when you come back. But I mean, it's a good string. I mean, it's worth wearing out. You can rely on it. And but but as far as you know, um, bows out of the box, you know, um, you're dealing with two things too. Like I, I get guys that are just big buff strong dudes and they got a ton of muscle in their thumbs in their hands (laughs) yeah and so you know we 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 have a tendency you know i i get everybody to where they look like they're doing everything right and we have to tune the bow to the shooter i mean they're getting the same thing every time they're not getting different holes every time they shoot through paper they're getting identical holes you know and they look like they're doing everything right well we'll tune to the shooter because i mean you could line and and there's that's what we do when we get bows mailed in you know jordan and trent and and aj they'll all line up or i'll line up and we'll all shoot the bow through paper and we'll get a a consensus on you know this bow's doing the same thing for all three of us right you know and but you'll get guys that you know we're just tuning the bow and you know i i don't like face pressure i like a light touch you know because you can <laughs> yeah, 85 yeah. percent let off you know you can push you can oh, push yeah. a bow and then and then beards i mean we deal with beards you know i and i have a way that i i talk to a lot of guys that got big bushy beards and yeah if you draw from the side and, and come in yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get kick off of that beard and it's gonna it's gonna kick it to the left on a right handed bow and then it's gonna cross over and you're gonna get a left hand tear because it's like an overskid in a car it's trying to correct itself mm-hmm. and so you know we'll see that and so you know I got a guy you know I got a way i you know I show him how to draw and smash it from the front and I want him to you know bring the head in straight into it so it's smashing the beard so it's going straight away mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of success with all that you know and you rarely see a tournament I always tell him I go you'll rarely see a tournament archer is clean shaven because you know as well as I do you grow a beard and it's going to cause right and left versus clean shaven because you yeah. can have a beard and then you clean shave it and you're in a different spot well there's a reason for that I mean you have obstruction there I mean it's you know, I'm not a big string aid guy for that reason. I mean, you know, I, I always tell guys, I'm like, get, you know, make that anchor point a signature. I mean, you should be able to, somebody should be able to hand you a bow in a pitch dark room that you can't see, you know, your hand in front of your face. And then you could take your release, find the loop, come to full draw, touch those anchor points, and you could, the lights could come up slowly and you're looking perfectly through your peep. That's how well you know, your anchor point needs to be, I mean, it needs to be that signature. You need to get to that point to where that anchor is that comfortable and that, and that repeatable, you know, that you could do it in pitch black darkness and somebody could hand you that bow and you could have no references. You could draw and anchor that bow that was your bow. And when the lights come up, you should be able to see through that peep perfectly, you know, so, you know, with a soft touch, you know, with a, you know, tip of the mouth, you know, or tip of the nose, corner of the mouth, bottom of the jaw, hand bow, jaw bone, index, handheld, it don't matter. You know, it, 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 you need to establish that like it's your signature. <clears throat> so, you know, all that said, you know, that's w- when we're tuning bows, you know, face pressure, you know, front hand, you know, and, and tuning to the individual because, you know, there again, like I said, there's guys that's got a lot of muscle on their hands and that thumb is round. 
And they're the ones that I've seen, you know, that have the most challenges, you know, with paper, you know, because we could set everything perfect and it may not be perfect for them. So, you know, we'll we'll move top hats and everything to tune to them because they're they're dealing with a different hand placement than most. But, you know, most guys, you know, got a good flat grip, you know, good. I, I like a broken wrist palm in, you know, I like, you know, I, I think, you know, some guys still shoot high wrist. So a lot of old timers will shoot high wrist. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's not a right or wrong with a lot of it. You know, it's just that it's consistent and it's done the same. And, you know, that, that game of repeatability, you know, just like your signature, it's all, you know, just perfect repetition every time you know, which you have, and a lot of us have, but, you know, guys that are new, you know, may need to develop that and, and stuff. And, you know, because I've, I've seen everything in 35 years, you know, as far as, you know, hand position, you know, anchor points and everything. And I've watched guys that, you know, I'll sit down. I remember guys I used to shoot with and I would just sit and watch them because it was, it was enjoyable because, you know, they're just like machine. I mean, you know, back in the day, Tom Crow, um, you, you know, <laughs> okay, Tom was a machine, yeah, a machine. And, and he was an innovator. He was an innovator in a machine and he was way out of the box because he would shoot an index style release. Well, let's know, just go and, through the list. Index style release, massive overdraw, eight power yeah. lens, uh, people, 13s with 300 grain tips in them, cut it 26 inches long. I think he had a Fletchmatic. Yeah. He was shooting 26 13s with like 50, with like cool 30s or cool 50 grain points. Um, no, no, no. He had, he was shooting 300 grain points in them. Was he really? Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. 300 grains because he was shooting 80 pounds but he would cut them 25 inches long and he had to, he had to meet the weight requirements. You know, oh, for IBO. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's how he did it at 80 pounds, you know, with that short arrow and, and you know, but, but the guy what was an a assassin complete, too. He was, he was a complete signature. You know, it was fun to watch, you know, Tom would come by and practice all the time. And I, you know, I'd love to just watch him, you know, it was fun just to watch him shoot. He you was know, kind of an archery hobo. He just traveled. Yeah. He he yeah, camped no, out. He, he camped out in my yard for like a week. He had week friends or two. all over. He would just he would fly back there. They would loan him cars. He would fly. <laughs> you know, Tom's just a great guy. And he just loved to shoot a bow. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like the thirteen-year-old kid, you know, that had a bow that you know would go out and just shoot for four and a half hours every night. That was Tom. I mean, you just he had all, he had a set of three Ds at his farm in Sutherland. He had all the McKinsey's. And he would never shoot them. And uh, he had one set that he would never shoot. And he would just go out and he would practice. He had this method of he would walk to some different area, never look at his target, close his eyes. Yep. He would look at his target and then he would close his eyes and he would memorize the size of them. Now, I never could do that. I, I did. I That's to, how I, I had judge. to look at the ground. Is that right? It, I, it yeah. never worked for me. I, yeah. You know, when I was younger, I was going to college. I, I worked with my dad and we fell timber and I could jump up on a log and I could look at that log and I could look down that log and I, I could limit and right to the point where I was going to have 34 foot, 10 inch. That was a uh, cut length for a log, you know, and I, <laughs> oh, I could dude. just look at my tape and I'd be within a foot of it, that's but I could awesome. just look at the log and I, I knew what I was going to get out of it. So I would just look at it. So that's how I, 
I, I had to judge the ground where I got in trouble as if it was a cross canyon shot. Oh yeah. I didn't have any references and I would just like, Oh my gosh, I got midair here. So I'd have to count it in the air. But no, Tom, Tom and I, you know, talked about that all the time. So you judged yardage identical to him. That's interesting. Never I had three me. methods. I tried it. Yeah. I had three methods. I started. So when I very first started, I started because I was, you know, I just came out of like, you know, I left a college football scholarship, right? So right. I, knew, I, 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 remember, I knew yeah, first I and 10, like first and 10. So I would look <laughs> at the target and I would close my eyes and I would visualize hash marks. Uh-huh. And then I would be like, and then I would open my eyes and I'd be like, where's first and 10. So in a way it'd be like your log and I could get, you know, normally within five by doing that and then i would start to like and then i would fall on to my second part of the equation was i had like 2015 vision so i knew that if if there was decent sunlight i could clearly see 12 rings out to about 39 yards so if i could see the the 12 ring clearly i knew it was inside of that if i couldn't see it i well now that like back then max was 45 yards so it right. was real, really, really helpful. But then I just had to get to the point where, you know, and honestly, I, I did that with Tom. So what Tom would do is he would like, he would set targets around him. He would take him out of his trailer and he would put targets in a 360 degree circle. And he would look, he would just turn and look at them and just start to train his brain on the size and what that distance was. And so I started practicing that way too, and, and got really, really proficient at it. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's interesting. Cause you know, back in the day, you know, I would, I would just uh, look at the ground and I would always try to find my first 10 yards. I would find 10 yards and then I would double it. And then I would usually go to the target and I would find 10 yards on the ground and count it backwards. And then usually my first, my first estimate was always what I went with. If I stood around and just kept second guessing it, and usually I would walk up to one side of the, you know, the stake and look, and then, you know, I would step to the other side of the stake. And then when I stepped to the stake, I'd make my final assessment and then I'd draw my bow and shoot, you know, but you know, it, it, uh, I, I got really good at it today. I mean, without practice, I mean, honestly, that's like archery practice without practice. Now it's rangefinder, right? But yeah. back then, I mean, we, we'd have rangefinders. I mean, <laughs> I was, we're talking 1994, 92, 93, well, we 94, had, well, we 95, had, 96s. We first it had was, the ranging rangefinder, which was pretty much just a the two binoc- images a you binocular, up. yeah, a binocular within a binocular, <laughs> and then oh, it's terrible. And, and oh, then that, you're talking about the Bushnell with a single eye in it. Well, that was that, that was, was a, the actual that first was laser. That was the first right, laser right. one, and that thing was right. so freaking good, dude. Like for flat ground, good. that thing it repeated. It judged it. It worked on every color target. It never had like yeah. That, I've yeah, got they that were, old they were sucker great. still. It was like it was literally as big <laughs> as a binocular. I kept yeah, it because I'm huge. like, it, if worst case scenario, I know this thing is like good. Well, hey yeah. man, I'm I'm gonna get in trouble with your wife here because <laughs> you're 13 minutes yeah. past opening. <laughs> 
no, no, we we we, op- we we don't open for a little bit, but you know we've been yakking for a long time. We could probably talk all day, John. I I, so, I really appreciate great. it. I really honored that you called, and you know it's good to talk tech, you know, and 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 you know love everything about archery, and and uh, you know we're in the same boat there and, and stuff, and uh, and it's just it's awesome what you've done for the industry and everything, and your involvement with Joe and and stuff, you know Cam's involvement with Joe, it's just, it's just awesome and. And uh, you're doing a great job of promotion, and and so many young people come in, and they've watched all your stuff, and it's just it's just great, you know. It's just it, it's so, you know. I I just love good role models, right? Yeah, you yeah. love good role models, you because you know in sports there's always, you know, there's always rough role models. I mean, we've had a few over the years, you know. Yeah, and, and oh, they yeah. started out, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got some you know, big, bad thing that happened, whether it was, you know, you know, hunting related or otherwise, you know, but, you know, just great role models in the industry are are great for all the young people to look up to. And you're one of them, you're one of the top ones, you know, so it's just, it's just awesome. And, uh, you're doing a great job and and I'm honored that you called me. Oh, dude. You you wanted to talk and, and, and take a little time and, and talk tech. It's great. At the Pope and Young convention this last year, um, I was fortunate to be asked to be their keynote speaker. And a lot of people thought I'd talk about archery. You know, a lot of people thought I'd talk about instruction or how to make better shots, but Mm -hmm. I did this, I did a presentation on mentorship and how mentorship will be literally what, what allows the club to move forward or what, or whether or not the club will slide backwards from loss of membership from loss of activity, you know, loss of, you know, involvement, right. In, in bow hunting. And so I talked about mentorship and how every one of the people in that room, if they would just take one person hunting, how like, you know, my grandfather taking me hunting, I would not be in the archery community if that wouldn't have happened. I, I, I just did a podcast with Josh Smith and he told me about a a guy that he met at a rodeo that took him hunting. Otherwise mm-hmm. there would be no MKC. So like the role models is such a important thing. And, and I'm, I'm actually very thankful that I'm very thankful that Joe met cam first because mm-hmm. Cam is very addictive, you know, from the, from that side of things. Like he definitely can sink his hooks into people and his commitments. addicting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, pretty awesome. And honestly, um, and, and I think, I think I stepped in at a really cool time for Joe where he was, you know, he kind of had the base, he was hooked, you know, Mm -hmm. he was like, he was in the net, but now let's like land him, you know, softly in the boat. So I think having some of that direct coaching and technique and kind of navigating him through his curiosity and like so many gadgets in, in archery and kind of trying to channel his focus down to like, Hey bro, I know you see all these cool bells and whistles, but you know, let's get, <laughs> let's get your raccoon curiosity of the shiny thing channeled down to like, dude, this will kill you an elk. Like this, this will do it. I lo- I really love that. And, and honestly, at some point, the, the one thing I really miss about being about having my own shop or about being inside of a bow lab at a company is the ability to like 
break down and work on so many different products because that's the one thing I, you know, it's, I'm not as current as I want to be. I have a, I have a nucleus that's timeless, but I also am not like, you know, if you said like, if I'd got the new boat, the brand new Bowtech in, I'd probably have to look at it for a minute and be like, what's going on? Like at some point it would be, I would honestly get a, a big kick out of like coming out to you guys, hanging out at the shop and just watching you guys work on a plethora of different gear just to try mm -hmm. to like get myself, you know, refreshed get a refresher course on like what's out there because in some ways i'm pretty singular um mm -hmm. i focus on the majority i'm 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 pretty singular so sure uh, sure yeah uh, no I, you're I, welcome anytime and <laughs> yeah i mean we 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 learn we learn everything you know and and you know Botex right here in our 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 you know home state in fact they're only is only like you know 25 minutes away and 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 Adam Jarvis and and John Dunbar I mean they're you know they're great people John came from Matthews you know and he's you know he's basically you know the general manager of, of Botech and we got a great relationship I don't sell them you know um because they've got their own pro shop you know but I I love that they're here we we do hundreds if not a thousand strings a year on Botex and you know we know them really well probably better than anybody because there's so many of them right here locally and so we you know we've got at any one time you know there's 10 to 15 of them in here that we're working on you know but yeah there's just so many elite you know we you know uh you know we we you know Hoyt Matthews of course all the major lines you know and send some obscure stuff you know that's out there you know, that we work on, you know, prime, you know, is, is always fun, you know, lots of strings on prime, you know, and, and always fun to tune, you know, and, and great bow, you know, great, you know, everything is just so different, you know, a lot of, they all get the job done. Everybody's like, well, what's the difference in these bows? I'm like, well, they're completely all different, complete different animals, but they get the job done really well the same, you know, it's just which one's going to fit you the best you know, and what do you like about it and, and why, and now, you know, you know, you know, with PSE and everybody doing the integrated system, you know, that's, that's, that's great balance. I mean, I love that engineering, you know, and, and so, you know, so far it's just PSE, Hoyt and Matthews that are doing the integrated system, you know, so all, all that, you know, is just, just fun, great engineering, you know, fun to work on all the different bows and the older bows too, you know, it's just, it's just always fun, but, um, but anyway, John, I know, I know you got a busy day ahead of you and my guys are all rolling in the shop here and <laughs> we're, you know, it's about, Hey, good uh, luck keeping your head above water today, bro. The bottom of the ninth and we're down, we're down five runs. So we're going to yeah. get there. We're going to win. We're going to win by opening day. We're going to win. And the, the arrow, the arrow river is, is another one that we got to get, get a win on. So I better, better <laughs> we engage will. We're here. there. I, th I think the point's proven. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. if I but can get, if I anyway. can get Joel to take time to come here and, and him and I like show some of oh, our, our data awesome. together, I think at that point, you know, hopefully the he's industry awesome. starts focusing a new direction on just putting arrows in one wad and mm -hmm. slaying any animal they want, you know, here in the U S <laughs> for sure. Thanks yeah, so much, yeah. Wayne. I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, you bet, John. I really do. Lord bless you, man. Take okay. care. Sounds good. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom design products, as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot 